So God, we love you. We thank you so much for inviting us into your house this morning to celebrate together as a family. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now in exactly the way that we need to hear you. Uh, You're amazing like that, God, because we can read the same portion of Scripture over and over and over and get something different out of it each time. So God, we pray that you would enlighten our hearts, enlighten our minds, forgive us of our sins, and help us to really, um, I don't know, not be offended this morning, God. And so what if we are? Pray that you would just give us thick skin. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be with you. We are going to be in Ephesians 5. We're going to, we're going to cover right up to that whole women and submit to your husband thing. Uh, and then we're going to stop before we get to that. I'll let Pastor Jared handle that next week. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Just kidding. Anyway, I'm glad to be with you this morning. And, um, you know, we are, we're, in a, we're in this series called We Are Family. And over the past few weeks... We've been looking at ourselves because, you see, in order for us to be uh, functioning well in the house of God, you know, according to First and Second Timothy and, and the rest of the Bible, we've got to be functioning well as a family. And if we're going to function well as a family, we've got to be functioning well as a person. And we've been spending a lot of time looking at ourselves and looking at what God is saying to us. And so this morning uh, in Ephesians 5, we're really going to begin to walk from ourselves into the home. And I want to tell you right now, I'm going to say a lot of things this morning, and I'm going to cry a lot, but I'm going to say a lot of things that I want you to know. I haven't figured it out, and I'm not saying these things in judgment, but the things I'm going to say are things that I'm pleading for us as family to figure out. So don't hear judgment this morning, and if you do, it's from God, not me, and so you better do something about it, all right? So we're in Ephesians 5. Do you ever have that moment when you came to the realization that everything you said, everything you did, your son or daughter at their very early age of three and four, they were going to make sure they repeated in the most inappropriate time and place. Has that happened to anybody else? Have you ever maybe just said something that you didn't think your kid was hearing or they saw you act in a certain way, like kicking the lawnmower and throwing it down a flight of steps? Wait, that didn't really happen. Um, but did you, ever, did you have those moments, don't we? And see, what happens is, is we quickly, as young parents, come to the realization that everything we say, everything we do, these little ones are imitating us. I, I, I laugh and I feel back as little Becca's sitting here, but my daughter goes to work with her mother every year. And it's funny because she'll come home and she'll play school in the basement. And for the next six hours, all I hear is her yelling at imaginary kids in the basement. I, <laughs> my wife's a school teacher. It's, so I'm just teasing, not really, but it happens. But these kids, our children, they imitate us, whether good or bad. And they don't just imitate us, they imitate the people we put around them. Like their coaches, like their teachers, like the neighbor. And whether we want to or not, there's these influences happening on our child. And so this morning as we talk about moving into the house, we're really talking about ourselves, but we're also talking about a couple of problems. You see, there's really two problems I want to cover this morning. One is the problem of sin and the reality of it. And the next that we're going to cover is the problem of time. 
Because you see, God has called us to a lifestyle. As we heard last week, we're to put off the old self and we're to embrace the new person that God has made us. And as Pastor Jared said, there was a lot of emphasis on not letting the sun go down on your anger because there's two themes that we're seeing here. The problem of sin and the problem of time. Say that with me. The problem of sin and the problem of time. And so what happens is, is the problem of sin magnifies and complicates the problem of time. And I'm going to tell you right now, the problem of time, we can't do anything about. And so what we've got to look at is the problem of sin. When kids imitate us, when they do the things we do, it's terrifying for us, isn't it? But did you know they're actually being who God created them to be? That God has actually called each and every one of us to be imitators? That God has called you to be an imitator of Him. And so when we see our children being imprinted on by everything around them, that's how God created us. He created us to be influenced. He created us to be imitators. He didn't create us to be mockers. He created us to be imitators. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians 5 with me right now. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture. There's a lot to be said here, but I'm going to summarize it for you right now. We have a problem with sin. We have a problem with time. There's three types of sins that really seem to get us as people down. Sex, greed, and our mouths. And so as we read through this, We're going to talk about those things. And again, I haven't got this all figured out. So receive what God has to teach to you today. Put on some thick skin. All right? I I hate that we, and I use hate in the purest sense of the word, I hate that we live in a culture where we're all so easily offended. Toughen up. I say that in love. Put some dirt on it. You'll be okay. All right? We need to toughen up, people. So let's read Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved Children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's that simple. This is one of the easiest sermons in the world to preach because all I got to do is just read it. We're to imitate God. What does that look like for us? Well, it means being obedient to the words of Scripture. You know, we live in a culture today that drives me bonkers because we, we have this standard that God sets before us with his holy word. And he, he gives us these, these beautiful freedoms that we're to live by. And, and what we do is we get so offended and we get so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings that we take this standard that God has invited us to join him in and we lower it because it's inconvenient for us. Or it's hard for us to say that we as Christians believe that homosexuality is a sin. We do. I didn't write the book and neither did you. But if you're going to call yourself by the name Christian, you do not bring the standards of this book here. If you're doing that, you are not a Christian. You are something else and I don't know what it is. But God has invited you to his standard. That is incredible. And so, whether it's being an axe murderer, a drunk, whether it's being completely greedy or sexually immoral, whatever it may be, don't lower the standards of God to meet your convenience. Because when you do that, the only per- I don't even know if you're fooling yourself at that point, but you are not living in the house of God. 
God has invited you to his standard. It is not ours to control. This is not an old, archaic book that has become extinct and out of date. It has been good enough until this point in history. So who are we to say what sin is and isn't? We're to be imitators of God, not imitators of the world. We're called by God to love people. So while we call something sin, that doesn't mean we all turn into a bunch of sin ninjas and start kicking people because they're wrong in the way that they live. No. In fact, the Word of God teaches us that it's not even our responsibility to hold people to that standard if they're outside of God. Did you know that? It sounds weird, doesn't it? But our job is to be the light in the dark place so that those people look at us and say, what's different about that person? Did you know when you're a Christian, you're supposed to look different? You're supposed to sound different? You're supposed to smell different? Everything is supposed to be different about you. In fact, the word Christian means to be one who is set apart. And it drives me nuts because we take so much effort into trying to look like the world. There's no hope here in the world. There's no hope in the sinful nature. We're called by God to raise to his standard, to the standard of his word, not lower it to ours. We are to be imitators of God. And he goes on to say this. He lays down some house rules as as we as Christians are beginning to, to play in the house of God. He says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any any kind of impurity or greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. What did God just tell us through Paul here? He says, look, don't be sexually immoral. Listen to me, church. Sex is not supposed to be something that's dirty. Sex is not supposed to be something that we as the church idly surrender to the world. That was a gift from God to us. It was meant to be fantastic. But yet we've allowed the world to pervert it and twist it into something that the sinful nature wants. And God doesn't want it to be this. God wants sex to be something amazing. He doesn't want us to be engaged in sexual immorality, which degrades people which looks at people as objects. He wants us to lift one another up. It talks about the problem of sexual immorality. It it talks about the problem of greed. How much stuff do we need? Did you ever think about how much stuff accrues? I know that my wife and I have this closet of doom under our steps. And every now and then when I'm bored, I like go down and I peek in to see how much has just showed up in there. We're the only ones. Anybody that happened to you guys? And you go, where did I get this from? Why do I have this? What is this? We just get all this stuff, and why? Well, see, because our sinful desire is to fill this void in our heart with all kinds of stuff. And when we're not filling it with the things of God, we're going to fill it with junk. We're going to fill it with stuff we don't need, like the Floby. Everybody remember the Floby? <laughs> There's only one person on the planet that I know that actually needs that. Who needs a floppy? We love our stuff. I've seen a horrible trend 
um, youth ministry guys and I were talking, and there's a horrible trend in our culture with stuff and time. I see this happening all the time. I coach hockey, and, and I watch as kids are signed up for 54 different sports in the same day. I have a kid leave a hockey game to get to a soccer game that he has to leave early to get to his lacrosse game. What? What are we doing to our kids? Why are we so busy? We as a church have a problem with the things of this world and we have a problem with time. How significant is the childhood of your children? Do you want them to know the things of God? Or do you want them to be a better lacrosse player? Now listen... I've got a son that plays on a tournament hockey team, and we drive around like crazy people. I'm not saying sports are bad. I'm not saying that band is bad. But what I'm saying is, is there needs to be balance in your life, and you need to put priorities on things. I'm going to tell you right now, too much church stuff can be bad for you. If you're neglecting your role at home, too much church stuff can be bad for you because in your home, you're the only husband who can be there. You're the only mother, the only wife, the only father. That role can never be replaced. Not with a coach, not with a pastor, not with anybody else. Those are significant roles. And the question I have is, what are we trading our time for? We see a problem with sexual immorality. We see a problem with greed. We see a problem with our mouths. I don't even got to talk a whole lot about that one because I don't want to feel too much conviction. We run our mouths. We gossip. We speak poorly about one another. But the Bible tells us in this passage we're to use our mouths for lifting one another up, for teaching, for encouraging, dang it. How do you use your mouth? Are you using your mouth for the way of the world? Or are you using these things for God? The problem of sin is a bad one. And we've got to rely on the strength of God to overcome these things. But this passage continues on by telling us that you're not going to receive an inheritance if you're indulging in the flesh. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. So live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds. What are fruitless deeds? I want you to think about that for a minute. Are some of the good things you do actually fruitless deeds that take away from your role as a mother, a father, husband, wife, grandparent, aunt, uncle, brother, sister? What are the fruitless deeds in your life that you use to occupy your time? Because here we're told to not have anything to do with them. It says this, for this is shameful. Even to mention, oh, excuse me, it says this, fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is in shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now what we learned last week is that a wise person recognizes that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. So that you no longer had to be a slave to that sinful nature. And the wise person recognizes that there is freedom found in who that new person is that God wants you to be. 
Are you living as the wise person? Or are you living as the unwise? How are you spending your life? You know, time is a monster. It goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. Now, a lot of times we we look at that phrase, the days are evil, and we think, well, the days are just full of sin. Listen to me. Let's think about that differently. If you're spending your time living in accordance to the flesh, and the days are evil, why are the days evil? The days are evil because they're a monster. Time is a ruthless beast. It devours without end. It does not stop consuming. And once your time is devoured, it can never be given back. The week that you just lived, there's nothing you can do about the actions that you did. There's nothing you can do about the things that took place. They're there forever. And so God is telling us to live as children of light. But too many times as Christian, we live in the darkness of sin. And listen to me, you are not getting your time back. The days are evil because they viciously consume without prejudice. Let me put it to you like this. I'm the family pastor. So I'm going to use a family illustration. Our time can be represented by many things. But this represents a week. And in the life of a kid, we'll go from birth to 18, you have 936 weeks. 936 weeks that you have as a parent to be imitators of God and to imprint something on that child. And every week that goes by, you can never get it back. You have a limited amount of time and you're going to imprint one or two things on your kid. You're going to imprint the things of this world or you're going to imprint the things of God. You're either going to help them to be an imitator of the world or you're going to help them to be an imitator of God. Now let me put it into perspective for you. My son, Brandon, is... 10 years old. And if this was his life, this is how much time is gone. This is what I have left with him. And then you start thinking about high school and how quickly that's coming. You got a kid going into senior year of high school. That's what you have left to make a difference in their life as far as them growing up and the things that you're imprinting on them in the home. What are you teaching them? Are you teaching them things that are significant, that are worth this week? Or are we teaching them anger and bitterness and pain? Last Saturday, I was in the hospital with a dad and a mom and their 16-year-old son who had put a gun to his head. And he didn't die. 
And I listened as this father held his dying son in his arms, screaming, my boy, my baby boy. This cry of this father will will haunt me forever and it causes me to think about how hard God must have cried over the loss of Jesus. But he wept for 10 more minutes with his son. He wept for 10 more minutes not to tell him about the things of business, not to make him a better hockey player, not to make him better at reading books or school or the American dream. He wanted 10 more minutes to tell his son how much he loved him and how much God loved him and his son died in his arms. What are you doing with your time? What are you teaching him, grandbabies? What are you teaching those neighborhood kids? What are you teaching our children here at this church? Because once this is gone, you never get it back. God does not want us to live in darkness. He wants us to be children of light because there is a broken and hurting world out there and we have the message of hope. We have the message of salvation. So why are we silent? Why if I'm standing in the middle of the fire, wouldn't you say, Pastor Jamie, get out of the fire. You're going to burn up. Do we love people enough to offend them for a couple of minutes? To save their lives? We have to grow thicker skin, church. We've got to quit being offended. And we have to be that beacon of light. God is calling each and every one of you to go to somewhere that no one else can get. He's calling you to be that light in your very family. You cannot be replaced. And you have limited time. You have limited time to work with. God says, be imitators of me. And be very careful how you live. Not as wise, or excuse me, not as unwise, but as wise. Because these days are evil. Don't waste your time getting drunk. Don't waste your time with debauchery. Don't waste your time with foolish talk. Don't waste your time doing things that don't matter, but speak of psalms and hymns and glorious things. Speak of God. Christians, we need to spend more time smiling. We need to spend more time laughing. Life is funny. It's okay if you laugh at things. Don't take yourself so seriously that you miss it. Your kids need to see you love one another. You hear me say that all the time. Parents, let them see you smooch. Let them see an example of what a good man should be. Let them see you doing your devotions. Get your kids in the word of God. And if you can't because you're afraid, get over your fears and get in the words of God. God does not bring you to places and abandon you there. He will give you the strength to do these things. Cry out to him. Let this old self die and embrace the new self because you have a monster devouring your time. Galatians has this fantastic verse that I want to share with you. In Galatians 6 it says this, You will reap what you sow. The seeds that you plant are going to grow. That's not what I was going to read, but I'm going to remind you of that too. So if you want to plant seeds of goodness, they will grow into goodness. But if you plant seeds of ugly, they're going to be ugly. What are the seeds that you're planting? Galatians 5 says this, You brothers were called to be free, 
But do not use your freedom. It's talking about freedom from sin. It's talking about freedom from the law. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. For the entire law is summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love others? Do you love God? Do people see it around you? Because we're either called to be imitators of God or we're going to be mockers of God. I know this. That my God, my dad, is inviting me to his home. My dad is inviting me to imitate him. So do you imitate our father? Or do you imitate the world? Let's pray. God, we confess that we are all sinners. And that we are all very broken. And that we are in need of a savior. And we recognize that those outside of the understanding of your saving faith, they need you as well, God. Help us to love them differently. Help us to love them in the way that they need, God. But help us to not be tolerant. Help us to not put up with sin. Help us to not gratify the sinful desires of our own bodies and heart. And help us, God, to follow your will for our lives. Help us to live by the Spirit as this scripture is calling us to do. Help us to embrace your freedom so that what we imprint on those little ones around us, God, will be you. It will be us imitating you and nothing more.